Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy, and fulfillment along the way. Hello, lovely neighborhood. Welcome to our final episode of Yays of Our Lives for the year. Oh my gosh. Welcome back, Ange Foot. Thanks. I actually just didn't realize it just until then that it's the last episode of the year. I, I mean, we did just spend so all day doing the schedule. We did. Yeah. I feel like it just, I can't believe Christmas is next week. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so also what's hilarious is I just sent out like our second EDM for the year. <laughs> <laughs> I've done two newsletters this year. Maybe, maybe three. But I think too. They'd be like, Happy New Year. Anyway, so happy end of year. <laughs> Thank you for Happy New Year, end of financial year and end of year all I in hope, one. I hope you love feeling a part of the community that I <laughs> and I thank you all for contributing. Max value add. But one of the things I said in it was of course, thank you so much for another incredible year. I can't believe we're still here with this beautiful neighborhood, still growing, still doing amazing things. Of course, as you guys know, 2022 was a bit of a roller coaster. Lots of yays, lots of nays. And compared to sort of our big goals planning session at the start of this year, there's a lot of things we didn't get to do. There's a lot of things we didn't even dream of doing that we also did get to do. So it's been like, yeah, lots of highs, lots of lows, but Ange Foot is now back on board and has left her job. So we will be much more structured. We just had a big planning session and there's so much coming our way. So I promise we will stop saying we promise we'll do things and not doing them. Yeah. I just realized why are we not doing reflections of the year? Why are we doing questions about Ange Foot? Because we started Stuck. asking people <laughs> for your anonymous Q&A like eight months ago when I sent my first newsletter and now I'm like, shit, <laughs> we should probably do it because there's some really interesting questions. So you know one of my favourite games ever is like Q&A but like would you rather yeah. kind of vibe and, you know, it's typically called like 20 questions with Ange. Today we have like 72,000 questions with Ange because you had more questions submitted, I reckon, than I did for my episode. No, although we did go through three rounds <laughs> of question asking. <laughs> Every true. week we were like, okay, so next episode, please answer. People had, by the end of it were like, did she even get any questions? Is this why they're asking so yeah, many times? But there's just no one submitting anything. So uh, we have so many questions. I don't even know how we're going to get these done. It might end up being a two-parter. Who even knows? No, there's no way this is going to be a two-parter. This is like a, an essay. Like an actual essay. Anyway, there's so much juice. There's so many interesting things that have happened. And I think, you know, I think everything happens for a reason. I think we didn't get this episode done because more things have happened since you leaving your job. There are bigger life changes that have also happened that we now get to talk about. So Antarctica pushed everything back, but now we're, you know, here sitting down at the beautiful Annotate and ready to jump right in. So I don't even know where to start. I mean, I'm going to start with some fast fires. Okay, fast fire. Yeah, let's just... One answer, 
answers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really prepared for this. Also, oh my god, we should have done a separate reflections episode because I have so many feelings. No, but why don't I was just gonna say, should we ask for questions at the end of this episode for questions about reflections of the year for our first of the new year episode? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, and they'll get it in 2027. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, first episode back will be reflection of 2023 yeah okay but first before i say before i start the first questions one of the most exciting things about our planning session is we've already locked in our recording dates for next year because yeah. you don't you can actually hang out now yeah because i'm retired live so we have a weekly cca full day together now so you'll get much more bimbo content yeah <laughs> it's gonna be so good anyway okay back to the Ange questions i hope you get to know Ange a little bit better right on time for her coming back on to being like permanent again so this is very exciting Question one, how many hours of sleep did you get last night? Not enough, six. Like what would you do on average? I hope to get eight is my, my goal. Okay. okay, but six. Do you have a middle name? Yeah, it's Vietnamese. <laughs> it's Tui Mi. Tui Mi. Yeah. And I'm Tui An. Yeah, yeah, you are. That's yeah. that's the name Benoit gave you. I don't know what it means, but. What does Tui Mi mean? I have no idea. What? I don't know. You speak fluent Vietnamese too? Yeah, I'm just going to say it means beautiful butterfly. Okay. <laughs> that's how I feel. Beautiful butterfly. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Channel the beautiful bubble. Wobbly wombat. <laughs> Wombi. Okay. Who is your favorite person on the planet? And explain why it is Nick. <laughs> it's Nick because he flicks boogers at me. Next. <laughs> Usually he doesn't even have a bar of our social media. Yeah. Or no anything. Know, he doesn't so even surprised. follow either of us. So, like, how did he even submit? And that's not even a not nice question. Also, guys, Sarah hasn't read any of these questions. And no. I've barely read them. I've just copied and pasted onto this. Notes. This is a blind react. Yeah. Okay. This is what. Okay. So in my vein of loving would you rathers, this is an awesome question. True. So whoever submitted this, by the way, these were all submitted anonymously. Yep. So they're going to get more intense, but this one's awesome. Sock, sock, shoe, shoe, or sock, shoe, sock, shoe. Sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Sock, Yeah, okay. Are you going to leave the other one cold for a hot minute? <laughs> Serious? <laughs> no, but some people might like to get one whole side done. No, nah, it's definitely sock, sock, shoe, If shoe. you're running late, like there's a burger in your house, you're going to... And you're in one my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you just have to Google it. Just Google it, man. Did we just talk about this in our Antarctica episode? Okay, so guys, for the Google it reference, you'll have to go back a couple of episodes. Again, another one of our stupid jokes that doesn't make sense to anyone. Okay. Which also we'll come back to because a third party has been involved recently and I tried to explain Google it and she didn't really think it was that funny because it's not. Okay. Oh, my God, number five. You're really attractive. I know. Thanks, Nick. Was this from said person? Oh, no. you don't know. No, I, it's all like a... <gasps> oh, you don't know who this is yeah. from. Okay. If you could design the perfect meal, entree, main, side dish, and dessert and drink, what would it be? Does not need to make sense. I like that they clarify that because sometimes when you say like five pantry so, items, mm. people are like, well, like oil because you have to cook the yeah, thing in the oil. True. I'm like, no, it doesn't have to be consistent. It's true. Okay. Main meal is definitely a Japanese situation. Yeah. Probably like a sashimi and sushi platter. Oh, yeah. Like mm. a combo. Salmon. Yeah. My drink would be bubble tea right now. Really? Well, right now we're in a bubble tea phase. I have not seen you drink bubble tea. <gasps> Oh, that's because I, I asked you not to do it in front of me. That's right. Yeah, because no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're not even real Asian. <laughs> um, and then entree would probably be like roti with satay sauce. Oh, I love roti with satay sauce. Dessert? Probably tiramisu. It's my favorite dessert. Oh, okay. How tall are you times two? So what's your height and then double it? <laughs> <laughs> no, two people ask you. 
<laughs> um, I'm actually quite tall. Someone begged to differ. I'm a whole 164.5. Are you 164.5? Yeah. I'm only 168. We're not that far away. Yeah, but in photos, it looks very different. Okay. <laughs> that's because you wear heels and I don't. <laughs> we did a fashion show today. Oh, my God, it was so good. One of the funnest things about having Ange back during the weekdays is we have time to do fashion shows. So oh, she's going so to a funny. wedding this weekend and is borrowing a dress. And we've done like three different fashion shows so far, haven't yeah. we? And your feet do not fit in my heels. It's, the it's, it's like you know those memes <laughs> where the top, like the pinky toes out of the shoe because it doesn't fit. It's like that. That's you. Oh my god. Okay, someone said, "Oh my god, bro, I saw you at CBM, but was too scared to say hi because my friends have called me weirdo for being too friendly before." So hey, for now. And it's anonymous. So I don't know who, but I don't. What's CBM? Cheaper by miles. It's the discount store. We all shop I saw you at the reject shop. <laughs> Which is actually one of my favourite places to shop. I saw you in Not Quite Right. I saw you in NQR and I thought, this makes sense. (laughs) I saw you in NQR but it seemed quite right. I didn't even question it. It just made sense. It was quite right. (laughs) But you know what, though? That makes me really sad that anyone's friend would, like, call them a weirdo for being too friendly because I feel like one of the most disappointing things is when someone messages you after they saw you somewhere and and they're like, I love the show or I've read, you know, your book or something and you don't get to meet them in person. Like, I get that every day almost. (laughs) But you do, guys. Once I was in a DFO in Queensland... And some chick comes up to Nick and I and goes, oh, my God, are you Ange Foote's friends from Instagram? That okay. is what I've known. That was like six years ago. Even, even more so. Okay. But please always go up and say hi to Ange. She, like, you absolutely love it. Yeah, it's I'm so chill. It's my favourite thing too. I'm I love chill. it so much. Never make fun of your friends for being too friendly with other people also. It's a beautiful trait. You seem to travel with your favourite sister, Jen, a lot. You must look up to her the most. Why is she your idol? Okay, the story behind this is one time when I was young, one time I said Jen was my idol. Did you say that? I must have. I don't remember because because now, totally making that now she goes, mm, you know, you should help me because I'm your idol. <laughs> Jen is so funny. So silly. Okay, next. I know, but also one more like inside fact about Jen that's so funny is you guys are so loyal to each other, your whole family. You guys are the closest in age. It's so sweet, but then when I asked Jen for some like loving words for your twenty first birthday book, she was like, "Dear Ange, you are funny. Love Jen." And I was like, hey, "No, but really, send some serious things." She's like, "That's all I want to say." <laughs> genuinely, one time we were saying like when we were young, we'd say bye. Like, I was like saying bye to when I was going to school camp. She literally just like kicked me and was like, "Bye." Like that <laughs> was her love language. Is, is hate. I was like, literally. <laughs> okay. Ooh, weirdest thing you've ever eaten. Um, it's not really weird though, but culturally I'd say, well, stop. Get your mind out of the gutter. Get your mind. You, you are disgusting. I was going to say, it, like when we were younger, actually, no, this is quite weird, but it's cultural. Okay. Duck egg, but the whole duck is still in the Oh, no. Have you seen, have you, do you know of that? It's an Asian thing and they have it like when the baby duck's still in the egg and you eat it. Is it like a delicacy or is it? Kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really intense. How do you get your brain past the you just, like mental? Or the fact that everyone else eating it okay. is so normal. You're like, oh, like, it's like, just no. like eating meat. Yeah. It creeps me out a 
It's weird. Yeah, it's wow. really weird. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Oh, this is such a strange one. Not a question for Angefoot, but a Sarah's teeth <laughs> reel. <laughs> so excited if for you to find that. Pop my dentures out <laughs> right now. That's really, really sweet that you asked. Yes, my teeth are real. Uh, is it because they're so good that you yeah, think they're, that perfect. they're fake? Oh. Yeah, they're my real teeth. But I've also had Invisalign when I was younger. I had braces on the bottom, so they were definitely crooked when I was younger. And she did just come back from Turkey and had that shaved tooth thing. It's <laughs> so a whole new nose. Yeah, yeah. Didn't you notice? So there's parts of my teeth that are ruined, yeah. therefore. <laughs> yeah, the gums. They are real. <laughs> <laughs> no, my teeth are real, but I have had them straightened at uni. I think I had Invisalign on the top, braces on the bottom, and I get them whitened. Yeah, still 100% Yeah, but, but my actual real teeth and yeah. no veneers or anything. Yeah. Have you ever watched Harry Potter? Oh, yes. Harry God. Potter, Harry Potter, Potter. Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> yes. We have to include a re- include a reference to that video. We actually went to see, we went to the <gasps> premiere That's together right. with Cursed like Child. falling off my seat because it was so good. And you were so awkward. I was like, come and get a photo. And you were like, no. Yeah, but back then I wasn't hot. Now I am. Okay, that was like a month ago. <laughs> Since you, you're the one who went to Turkey. It's true. See those boobies? I know they're not real. See my hairline? No longer receding. <laughs> oh my God. No, that was actually so much fun. I was like on the media wall getting normal photos and you were like at the platform nine and three quarters. <laughs> jumping. Jumping and trying to make it look like you were going through the wall. Oh my God, so immature. When, oh, when is Nikki Boy getting back on the podcast? Mm, multiple people ask that. Someone else asked me recently, can you do an episode with Nick? And I was like, we already have. And she was like, that was ages ago. Mm, It's true. It's definitely time. As you guys probably remember, he's had a pretty tough year. So he hasn't quite been in the podcasting zone. But we have a lot of family planning and things for 2023. So I would definitely get him back on. Our favorite food? I can say, I'm going to say cuisine, Japanese. I can just eat endless amounts of. Oh, who's your last snap from? Don't have Snapchat. Snapchat? No, I literally haven't had Snapchat since like 2000. 12. Okay, but I'm going to re-download it because you know the mouth swap filter? Oh. The TikTok one only works on cats. Oh. And I'm like, Paul and I need to swap faces. Okay, you download that. You I will. I will, babe. I will. What are your plans this weekend? I have a wedding, so I'll be staying in Sorrento and crash at my friend's house and then we have recovery and then I'll go see another friend on Sunday. And you're wearing my backless dress on Yes. So good. You have good style. I know. Oh, guys, it's my clothes that she's wearing Honestly. every time you think that. <laughs> what music do you listen to? Uh, oh, you're very broad. I'm quite broad. I actually yeah. I'm in the shoulders, broad in the and shoulders, in, in the breasts, <laughs> um, in all the areas that you can be broad. broad I realized I'm actually quite what wide. <laughs> I actually realized the other day, like, what? like, Kane, shut your ears, but these nips are actually like vast. <laughs> like, it's just Himalayas over there. <laughs> What is wrong with This is Anna Turner <laughs> and this is Everest. K2. Yes. K2 over here. Oh, my God, we're anyway, so weird. That wasn't even a question. Oh, how yeah, what music? Here. Like, I love... I'm literally crying. Like, <laughs> like singer-songwriter, but also, like, really appreciate, like, indie. And, like, right now I'm really into the playlist, the Triple J covers playlist, which is really fun and awesome. You know what's really interesting about you? You're also, like... The bangers that you love listening to are from our generation. Not even our generation. They're the bangers that our parents listen to. So Nick and I listen to like Credence Clearwater and like Neil Diamond. And like you know all those songs. Yeah, yeah, It's so weird. You're like, oh. It's so strange. Where did you even get that from? I'll tell you one day, but I'm actually 73. (laughs) It's Bloom Effects. It's (laughs) Bloom Effects. Not sponsored, okay? (laughs) 
But you also love modern music as well. Like, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You're, you're, you're like a fan of Bieber. Love Beebs, love the but younger, younger voice. Billie Eilish, oh, we yeah. love. Our sing-alongs. King Stingray, special mention. Okay. Our Beauty and the Beat, like car playlist. Bimbula. Bimbula. Bimbula, yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to a place called Dimbula and you guys know we call each other Bim, so the playlist is called Bimbula. Bimbula. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> I listen to it often actually. Me too. <laughs> okay, toilet time is for Reddit, Insta, emails, Googling, medical, poo questions. Emails. People know you too well. Yeah. Okay, weirdest thing you've ever eaten? I responded to that. The Wait, duck why and did egg. you do I think you did not must have been pace very well. Have Sorry. you done drugs? Interesting yes. question. Ooh, how far are we allowed to go into this? I don't know. I think we set the rules here. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot though, but No, like you <laughs> I wish I could share that video. Sure, I don't care. I don't like that. I'm not ashamed of that. No, but it involves third parties. Oh, third parties, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, let's do a short answer. Oh, and it involves Michael from um, the place. What? Michael Cullen. Who's Michael Cullen? I just made it up a oh name. God, you're so weird. <laughs> Kane's that stressing. Was... He's like, read the room. We don't even know read who the Michael room. is. Michael Cullen is not a real person. <laughs> Sorry if there is a Michael Cullen listening. Um, but it was. I was there and it was the funniest thing that's yeah. ever happened. So you drunk is really, really annoying. No, me like drunk, drunk. You annoying. drunk is really annoying. Yeah. You high is the funniest. Yeah, me tipsy is fun. Me drunk, drunk is not liability. I'm a liability. It's an actual liability. It's like true. nearly we fought twice, and once you were drunk. It's true. What's your favorite kind of pie, sweet or savory? I don't eat pie. Okay, <laughs> sure. I this was quick pie. <laughs> oh, I'm like that was way too quick. <laughs> what time do you usually go to bed? That's kind of the same. Like probably ten, ten thirty. What made you become a vegetarian? Even though you're pesco now. Yeah, pesco now. I think it was multitude of things like. Once I watched a documentary on how hot dogs were made and then I also I did like this one subject once in uni and it was like agriculture and water and stuff. And then also <laughs> the fact that I didn't really eat much meat already. So I was like, buddy. Although the day after I went vegetarian, I told everyone I bought a dim sim. And also and you're really lovely when you're traveling and like someone local makes you a local delicacy and you don't want to interrupt everything, you'll just eat it. Yeah, yeah. I am like the least activist vegetarian and in social situations. If it, if it comes to a point where I genuinely – and like being more annoying to be veggie, then I'll just like, you know, have the stock or whatever it is. Who do you have pinned on iMessage other than me? No, obviously. I didn't even know people. I didn't realize people did that, but I don't have anyone pinned. Yeah, no, I accidentally did it once, and it was someone yeah. who I was like, I don't and then know, I couldn't I get rid of this, and then I couldn't find the profile. <laughs> yeah. I was like, where is it? <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Okay. So hmm, there are so many questions. I feel like I'm going to mix up the order because I think we should really cover work. Work mm. because you have recently. I love how everyone thinks Anne is retired. Yeah. She's not retired. She is still working <laughs> and making some monies. I love that. Uh, One of the questions was like, literally, how did you retire I so know, young? She's I not retired. I, people take me too seriously. Okay. So there's pre resignation for anyone who wants to get into the healthcare system. I would love to know your tips and tricks to getting a job in the public hospital system. I'm an OT who has been out of uni for two years, approaching grade two, wants to make the jump from private to public. My biggest tip is just to apply because right now the hospitals are desperate for OTs. Uh, for all of allied health, like particularly for social work, physio and OT, but they're so desperate at the minute. Not to say that your skill set in other circumstances wouldn't get you in, but they're yeah, really wanting a lot more people in the hospital at the minute. It's a bit of a struggle town, so everyone's a bit overworked, a bit stressed. If you find that 
like hard. You can always start as a casual. The casual banks are quite large at all the major hospitals and so you can always start as a casual and then work your way in. If you can start casual, it means you get access to the internal emails. And how it works in most places is that they have to advertise internally before they go external. So if you're already a casual, you get that first preference of kind of applying. So yeah, heaps of casual opportunities that already be out there. And then right now, yeah, hospitals are really desperate for OT. So it shouldn't be a huge issue. If you've already been two years out, I'm sure there's already a lot that you can do. I guess a strategic other way you could do it is if you've worked in community for a while, you can apply for a rehab job or a subacute job. And that way it's quite an easy jump back into that kind of community or home visit style therapy. I'm going to mold two questions together. One is What was your favourite part about working in healthcare and what was the hardest part or the parts that made it kind of easier for you to jump away from it, including the stress of being an allied health professional? Okay, the first part, what's your favourite thing about working in healthcare? I think it's probably the same as what most people love about healthcare. You get to this amazing perspective on life that you wouldn't otherwise because you get to know people at a much deeper level particularly as a physio or say like a OT or, or any of the allied health, we just spend a lot of time with patients. And so you, you have to really understand them, but you also see where people come from in ways that you wouldn't necessarily know about people walking the streets, you know, like you understand how cultures affect health and understanding of it. You understand the types of hardships people have been through beyond what you already know, which is actually mm. really quite interesting. But yeah. And then you meet them as a person and you put it together and you're like, actually I've met someone like you before you know, I maybe have previously judged someone like that, but you you start to learn that people are so diverse with their stories and who they are, that you have this amazing perspective on culture and life and being a lot more open-minded to people and understanding of people. And also some of them just are so, you know, my last rotation was on a stroke ward and you see how strong-willed and resilient mm. they are to keep fighting for something that you would be like, I just would have given up like a long time ago. You know, you get people that have been nice to you for 70 days Or people have been stuck to a bed for 100 days, which is not common in an acute setting. And they kind of just keep going, keep going, keep going for reasons that you otherwise wouldn't understand, you know, like motivations. Everyone's got very different styles. But, yeah, so you see this amazing diverse group of people across the life span and with so many different stories from all parts of Australia and of, of the world. So, yeah, really beautiful perspective on life and really great stories because, yeah, I think in the nicest way possible, sometimes things, really funny things just happen in hospitals and they're just so wild that you just laugh at them. You know, like, you know, you're hoisting someone and they're just shit everywhere or whatever it is or, like, you're laughing at... Was it at, you? Yeah, it was you me. Being hoisted. It was just true. It's true, okay? Um, and then the uh, the MDT, the multidisciplinary team, is, like, just I love being a part of, particularly at Royal Melbourne. We all sit in the same office, so it's really, really fun. And then you just feel like you leaving some sort of impact or you're, mm. you're doing something that's purposeful, which is really nice too. That's my favourite. And what's the second part? Something about managing the stress of it and the like in the immense emotional load, but then also what made it easier for you to leave and jump towards something else, for you personally, not necessarily yeah. for everyone. And it was the same when people ask me why I left law. I don't think everyone finds these things. It's just what I found. Yeah, the stressful parts of it. Like at the time was, like I said before, the hospitals are really desperate for allied health. People are kind of moving in and out of it. There's a lot of turnover, not for reasons. Like it's, it's just been a really tough two years with COVID and stuff. So like staff shortages is hurts and COVID uncertainties hurt a lot as well. So you kind of have to be really adaptable. And then I guess my personal thing is like my last rotation, it was a 7.30 to 4 p.m. 
work time structure. And it just doesn't like, I just don't do that very well. Like to have to kind of get to work to be on by 7.30 and four o'clock never really is four o'clock. It's probably like 4.30 and five. And by that time you're like, well, I could have just done a nine to five mm. and had the morning where you don't, you know, you kind of staying back a little bit, which is not uncommon. It's not at all encouraged or it's very much frowned upon to stay later, but you kind of have to sometimes in that way it's stressful but I actually find it less stressful than what I'm doing now because like I have leaders on like my supervisors that kind of delegate to me and then my tasks are my tasks and when they're done they're Mm. done when I go home Mm. I go home so in that sense it's like I guess that's the stress emotional wise sometimes like sometimes if you have like a strong emotional rapport with someone who then goes to pass away that sometimes is really sad and I've only really had one case that has I've held on to for a while but other than that I think I've said to you I think you find it it's very contextual for sad things to happen in hospital because they're there and they're already unwell. I feel like if the same thing happened randomly on the street, it'd become a lot more traumatic. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, because it's in the hospital, they're already unwell. It kind of makes sense in the space that you are. So from an emotional stress standpoint, that's actually fine. But personally, again, I was extremely well supported at Royal Melbourne. So I experienced really – I had a really positive experience. It was more like the – I just really couldn't do the structured time. Like I just got exhausted from doing that, from being there at 7.30 and then not getting out until, you know, 4, 4.30 and then doing your gym stuff, which is what everyone has to do every day, but it's mm. just for me, mm. yeah. I think the overarching thing that I've learnt over time watching myself, you, lots of other people finding the life structure that suits them the best is that we all just don't have the same composition mm. and our productivity and ideas and workflow and ideal just life setup looks di- I mean of course it looks different yeah and I think on top of that my life structure was very different like that was my job but I also had multiple other jobs yes and to have that take up structured amount of times of my day where I genuinely couldn't do anything else because I'm such a multitasker I can do multiple like a few things at once but if I'm with a patient obviously I can't go responding to emails at the same time. Yeah. That was where it was hard for me because I just had a lot of things going on. So that kind of leads to the questions that are all about the transition out of physio and into something else, but particularly around the fact that I think let's start with this one. This was a longer question, but what revelations, life-altering epiphanies, et cetera, did you get from quitting your job to truly seize your yay? And that was not anonymous. It was from Katie, who's a longtime follower. But I think part of that is also you were doing both for a while and a lot of people who make a jump, they don't jump to nothing, they jump to something, which means that in the middle you've got both going on and the stress is like exponentially more. So what were your revelations that helped you go from managing everything, physio, your social media work, exercise, eating well, that was from a stressed healthcare worker, and yeah. then what helped you through to go, okay, now I need to do something? I think, yeah, the first part was the whole question about how did you have time for all of it, physio and social media and all the exercise activities. Obviously I came to a point where I just didn't actually, which is probably part of why I left. I had done it for a very, very, very long time. I've done it for the best part of six years, managing a quite high workload. But it came to a point in my life where I was like, I actually – like this go, go, go nature isn't sustainable. And also like I had to sit down and be like, why? Like why am I burning myself to the ground? Like I just keep – I have this thing where I just keep saying yes to more clients that ask and I'm like, but is it really bettering? Like is going to benefit my future in any way? So I came to that point where I was like actually there's going to be a time where I choose it for – not like necessarily for career progression but just things that I really want to do. How I fit it in time-wise is I like have really great self-awareness on how quickly I can get things done. And so I came to a point where I like kind of accepted things and moved around my times. Like if I was like, I have dinner, 
but I also don't like I want to go to that dinner but I also have this due I'm really good at knowing how long it might take me so I'm like it's going to be 45 minutes and so I can happily do that after dinner mm-hmm. and it also some compromises like if it's sometimes it's you do wake up early to finish a job or you stay up later and you go to that dinner but you know that you're going to go home to work after so there's so some there's a few times where I'll be like at dinner and they might have kick-ons and I'll say actually I've got actually a meeting at nine and those are the compromises that you make so it's just based on what you want to value and prioritize in your life like if you want to prioritize work you want to meet work and life social life in the middle that's where you make it work but I always think it's almost impossible to make it all work at a hundred percent like level mm-hmm. you know like you're kind of compromising on a little bit of them at once to make it doable yeah and I think you have to have in any kind of situation where you're juggling multiple passions whether you want one to be full-time or not or whether you're transitioning or not even if it's just you want to stay in your full-time job and have your hobby on the side extreme time management skills mm. is like the, maybe the most important thing because yeah. otherwise you don't do any of them properly. It, prioritization becomes really important yeah. and it's it's totally doable. It's just yeah. practicing how to prioritize properly so that it doesn't burn you out completely so that none of it is enjoyable. Yeah, and unless it's serving me, then I put it in the bin. Yeah, I think that's the thing is well. <laughs> you, have to, you have to realize <laughs> that when things aren't actually making your life any better, you got to put them in the bin. But back to uh, the early epiphanies from Katie, just quickly. Yes. Yeah, go. Epiphanies and revolutions or revelations that I had were actually around uh, – I had that whole anxiety thing of quitting. I remember I was speaking about this in a previous podcast. And the minute I could come to terms with it, that it wasn't a permanent decision, that I could come that back it to – it wasn't a permanent. It wasn't. Yeah. That I yeah. could come back to physio and that my thing my, – actually one of my biggest things was when I – get to 80 I'm going to literally look back and be like that one year that I tried something else is a literal blip in my life mm-hmm. like it doesn't actually put me back I kept being like it's going to put me back a whole year physio or more which in genuine in a 50-year career or a 40-year career one year of that yeah is a blip and in that time of the 12 months I could have gained all these other skills that mm-hmm. were better me as a physio so once I came to the realization that that's how it was going to work that it's not a forever decision I can come back to physio that's the beauty of the job and the safety of the job security of the job then it it became a less scary decision mm-hmm. and the other revelations I had was I wouldn't be able to do what I do in my life without the people around me supporting me to get there like that's a really big thing for me I don't think I would make many bold decisions that I do without not that I need reassurance always but without the support of the people around me that make me feel like I can do it I just actually wouldn't do it I have a good amount of self-belief but not enough to make these huge decisions all the time so those Mm. were probably my big big life things and I guess my last one was like you could die tomorrow Mm. and would you be happy with the life that you lived it's something that I've always said that is something you've always said and I've always said the other point that you noted about the future regret management thing like I've always said a year right now seems like a huge percentage of the life I've lived, but future me, that will seem like a blip. Like sometimes you do have to look ahead and think about how you will feel in 20, 30, 40 years. And I don't know, that perspective sometimes makes it easier to make it decisions. Feels small. It yeah, feels it smaller. Feels small. And then like I feel like you can make a decision feel bigger or smaller based on how you look at it. And if you want it to feel smaller, you just think about it in a way that makes it easier for you to do it. And that links into another one of the questions, which was about the crippling anxiety about the future and especially, and we'll get into this because family also has a role. This is a separate section, but just for now, touching on the Asian heritage guilt and shame about being unemployed. You technically weren't unemployed, but even still you're working away from something that's secure, prestigious, all that stuff. 
And a lot of the other questions were also about how did you have something to jump to? How did you even get that role? How did you move into, like, how do you create the first step? So a lot of people want to work their way into a non nine to five job where they can work and travel and seize the EA, but they don't know where to start. So how did you even create a situation where you had something to jump to? Yeah, I think my situation is really unique, which is why I think I've like people have like personally asked this question a few times to me. And I think my response is, I don't know if it's necessarily helpful because it's because I said yes to so many things when I was a lot younger. Like it pretty much how I got into this is I met Sarah like seven years ago or something like that. And it was like a brunch and she was talking about Matcha Maiden and I just said, I'm at uni, I've got six contact hours and I just want to like try new things. Is there anything I can help you with? And no kidding, that was my my leg up in and that's how I got to where I am to be able to have the opportunities that I do. And in that I kind of well, I was helping with her social media and through that I learned Adobe and then I taught myself that and then I learned about marketing and then consumer behavior. And I think that's like being a physio, you're kind of quite emotionally aware about how people respond to things as it is as well. And then through that, it was a bit of like a word of mouth referral. People kept referring me to or asking me to help with their social media marketing and strategy and content all in one. And I think I realized my skill set was very unique in that I could do all of them as opposed to just, you know, some people can only just do the marketing side of it where they can coordinate a feed or something mm-hmm. and they, but they can't create high level content. Whereas something that I could do at a decent level across the board, which was very helpful because it meant they didn't have to hire a creative team and a marketing team. They did it all in like in one person. And then at the same time, like I had like pretty low rates for a while because I was still learning on the job and that was more valuable to me than the financial return. And then, yeah, it literally from there has been a word of mouth. Like I've never advertised that I've done it. It's all been word of mouth. So then I started growing my clientele and who I was writing strategies for or helping with their marketing. And then since then, I think I've been in like 12 different industries, which has been really cool because you get to understand different demographics, parts of the world because you know, some of them are international. I've purposely held on to that, not because I thought it was a good job to have. It's because I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of gets bottom line is that you got to find something that you enjoy and then after that doesn't feel like work. And then saying yes to things doesn't seem so arduous. And then when you're really passionate about something, kind of you almost naturally fall into what you want to do. It's kind of just taking that leap at the start and saying yes to opportunities and things. So, yeah, I did have a job lined up before with a couple of clients that I already have been working with and I knew they kind of had always been wanting me to go full-time. I just never took that jump and that leap and I just was too scared to have a conversation with them. Mm. And the one time I did have the conversation with them, they were like, of course, they wrote a contract overnight, had it for me, a 12-month contract working full-time, fully remote and full flexi hours. And then I was like, holy shit, like I can't say no to this. So (laughs) that was why I made the jump. But it took me nine months to feel secure to do that. Like there was a nine-month period where I was like, looking for a job, looking for a job, looking for a job. And it was right there under my kind of nose. I just never really pursued it. So, yeah, it was – I think if I didn't have a job, I probably wouldn't have jumped. Yeah. I always say that. You need something to jump to because then it's not a jump into the abyss. It's like a jump to something that you can imagine. But And my thing is like I think I would highly recommend jumping into something, but the something doesn't need to be full-time, like crazy hours. If you can suss out your financial situation that allows you to work, if you calculate you could do part-time for – four months and that's mm-hmm. amazing four months to kind of reset and see what you like out there try different things learn different things and then if it doesn't work 
I would recommend always to have like a backup plan, like a plan B. So if it doesn't work, go back to the same job. If it doesn't work, you could always work at this place, whatever it is. It feels less anxiety or you feel less anxious doing it that way. And then with family, this is actually quite funny because I've just realized I haven't actually told my parents I've quit. Um, (laughs) uh, And I've quit a long time ago. So um, back to being Asian, that's part of it. Like you, sometimes it is, I'm not scared of telling my parents. It's more I know they'll be severely disappointed and describing it in a way that makes them still feel like I am successful is I'm still trying to think about the best way to go about that to for them to it. understand. Yeah. If I said I work in marketing for some startups, they'd be like, what does that the mean? freak is that? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, being Asian, that's just how it is. It's a lot tied down to prestige and status and stuff like that. But, yeah, I know they'll be supportive once I tell them, but it's just a bit of ripping that bandit off. Well, yeah, we have a whole section on questions about on that note about cultural differences and, yeah, that. It's like pitching things to different people in your life differently based on what their values are and what they comprehend and what they prioritize. And that's a whole thing. But just quickly before we move on from the work thing, I think it's really important to highlight, and it's been so interesting watching you as well, that it's been almost exactly the same way that I did it. It was in the works for years. You never set out thinking, I want to leave my job. In fact, it was like possible years before you even acknowledged it yourself. I think people who are feeling lost about how to move out of a nine to five, it really is that. It's put the feelers out and do things bit by bit. Like you don't have to have this nine to five jump to full-time entrepreneurship. It's nine to five, you know, do a side project on the side. Maybe have two clients, three clients, four clients, back to three, back to two. Like there's so much experiment you've done along the way before you felt you could jump full-time and you have jumped full-time to more than one project. You didn't just go full-time in-house to one business. Like I just think people have this idea of what it needs to look like and everyone composes it in different ways over really long time frames. It's not like a straightforward jump. Mm-hmm. Everyone feels a bit lost. Just start putting slow pieces together and I don't think that like one of the questions was when did you know you had a passion elsewhere and was there a specific point you knew you were ready to leave? I think it's like you said, it was easy for you to do because you were passionate, not because you were trying to leave your job mm. and the leaving bit only came when suddenly they were both viable Mm. but you just kept doing it before you even knew that was the goal because you were just enjoying what you were doing along the way yeah so that leads to another question which I think is probably one of the most valuable questions someone could ask you in particular at this junction is about whether or not you consciously do things to progress yourself so this applies both in the job that you are now welcome back at any time you left on excellent terms and now also in business, in getting new clients with only word of mouth, in having great relationships with businesses for many, many years. Like you left and the CEO of the Royal Melbourne Hospital sent you a goodbye message, (laughs) like as a, you know, junior still. So do you find that you just get there through charisma? Like, do you decide I am going to climb this ladder and I'm going to get this opportunity? Because I think People genuinely don't know how you do that. How do you build your reputation? How do you get in people's good books and leave doors open for yourself? The CEO thing, I have to clarify, the CEO thing happened because one of my best mates, Loz, who works with me as well, is like we are just so extra with the things that we do for each other that she was like, mm, she wouldn't be, you know, that excited to get like the director of Allied Health because, you know, she already knows her and like they're, you know, they have a really strong relationship. How can I like make this like something that I can properly surprise her with because we've just done so much for each other before. 
And so she literally emailed the CEO. It was like, hi, like not thinking we get anything out of it. She said, hi, you know, can you just quickly just say one thing, like just like 10 second thing, thank you for your service. And she came back with this whole minute video that even Loz was like, what the heck? And like she was in hysterics. So I didn't go obviously chasing that. Loz went chasing that as a way to like take the piss but also just be like the things that we do to each other. It was actually the one of the most beautiful things ever actually. It was very, very nice. But there's a video of me reacting to it and I was just shook to the core. So definitely not a conscious thing of, of on my behalf. But in terms of do I consciously do things to progress my career, I think the large part of the answer is actually – no, like I don't feel like I'm actively going out there to do that. Some opportunities that I say yes to, yes. Like if I see there's potential in that, I say yes. But in terms of like the actions that I do, like if, if I reflect on my time at the hospital, my whole thing, like even when I was in year 12, I was like, I hate doing things for the sake of putting on your resume. Mm-hmm. Like that's doing things for the sake. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like when you're in union, everyone's like head of this student union group and head of the physiotherapy student board and whatever I was like if you're passionate about that go for it but if you're doing it just putting your resume is it really worth your time there's so many other things that you can do that you or like become better at that could actually make you a much more employable person so I think my motto has always been like do the best job that I can do and then if they want to keep me through that they keep me and I kind of would I feel like I have a unique enough skill set to make myself stand out and I think that's always worked to my favor and in that way People, I guess, that want to see that can see that and then see where I can support the place and see the potential in me. Mm -hmm. So my thing is like less consciously choosing particular rotations or whatever it is for progression of career, Mm -hmm. but being like choosing things that I really love and then then doing so freaking good at it that people are like, we need her. Like it's just, it's just like, but it's just, if you think about it, it's kind of textbook stuff, but it's been like year 12 advice. People like choose subjects that you you love because you do really well at them. Yeah. So I'm like I choose opportunities or if I had, had a choice, I put things that I really know that I'll love that I know that I'll be good in and that's how I guess – I guess it is a conscious thing but it's not like a matter of like putting my name up for these leadership roles to progress my career because mm-hmm. I w- would find that exhausting, particularly if I didn't like it and I was doing it for the job. I would be like it's a waste of my time. And I want to be doing things that are better. So I think, yeah, if you play to your strengths, know your strengths, choose things based on those things, do a really, really good job at them, like mm-hmm. in a way that's unique. So my unique selling point is always I think it's my efficiency, yeah, like my time management and my efficiency, which is really obvious when you're in a big workplace, like people that just get shit done. And when people can see that and appreciate that, they kind of want to hold on to that. So in a I'm sense, definitely holding on to you. <laughs> no, but like, in a, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, in yeah, a yeah, sense, totally. it's not, and I'm not saying that everything's just landing in my lap. Like, yes, definitely opportunities. Like, I chose Royal Melbourne knowing it was a massive trauma hospital and knowing that if I had the skill sets that I, to be at the Royal Melbourne, I could probably easily get a job in many other places. So, I guess it's a mix of yes and no. But yes, you're right. A lot of it does come from, from charisma. I'm hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> So funny. And just to quickly round off this section, back to Katie's question about like revelations since seizing your yay, and then also tying in with someone else's question about the magic that you're brewing now that you are done with being shackled by normal society. Now that you've actually made the leap, is it what you expected? Like, did it do the things you've also been able to fit in a trip? You've started having like your weeks back in terms of 
you know, you've finished up, you've had a little bit of time to see what your life is like now. Like, is it what you thought? Is it better than you thought? Has it done for your brain and your soul what you thought it would so far? Yeah, it's like exactly what I thought. But then again, I wrote it to be that way. Yeah, that's true. Like I couldn't necessarily be surprised by the way that I structured it because I structured it that way. Yeah. Like I went out of this being like I am going to only work this many days for this company and then have it this many days for this company. And I'd already worked with them so I knew what was gonna it was going to entail. It has been the best time, like <gasps> such a great time. But at the same time, the downside, which I always knew was going to be a downside, was that you don't really get to switch off. That's always the, that's the trade-off. But I knew that. I feel like I actually was listening to a podcast or something the other day where I think the CEO of Notion was talking about if you're going to tell someone bad news, you start the conversation with, hey, this conversation is going to be difficult. because Oh, my the, God, that's so clever. Because they say that the amygdala only becomes anxious, scared, fearful when it doesn't know what it's expecting. So if you oh tell God. them that it's what you're expecting, it becomes a, a much easier conversation to have as opposed to being like, hi, happy, 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 happy. Okay, well, we're letting you off. That's like a big shock to the system. Whereas if you go in being like, hey, just to let you know, it's going to be a difficult conversation from the start, yeah. the rest of it comes easy. So I kind of set my that realistic expectation for myself from the start, knowing there was going to be pros and cons about it all and I wrote all that out. So the pros are amazing. Like I travelled all around Europe and worked and travelled and it was amazing. It was so great. It was so, so awesome. And being clients that I've already worked with, they know me. So I didn't have to like prove myself or anything. Mm-hmm. My only thing has, like I said before, I just try to do the best job that I can. And then my day structures are incredible. Are actually incredible. <laughs> Fashion show. Like Fashion show at lunch. <laughs> I wake up whatever time I want to wake up. And then I walk to my nearest cafe and then I do hours of work because I'm really productive in that way. And then I go home and then normally make breakfast or lunch and then I clean or whatever. I go to the gym or go for a walk. I'll go then do some do errands. Yeah, I'm doing my beauty channel. I do my makeup. Um, <laughs> Fashion show. You know, I go just make sure my um, hair implants are on sketch yeah, yeah. You, like you I, help me put my teeth in yeah and then I do a little bit more work if I want to and then I pretty much like the minute people finish work I'm like bouldering with them going to dinner with them picking the football Bold. with them like <laughs> and then if I have a night meeting I have a night meeting and then I the next day is the same thing so it's just and the beauty of the job is that I get paid full-time so the 12-month contract I pay get paid full-time to work around about four days but the four days is essentially however I want to structure that so long as I get the job done so if I want to work really, really fast or a really, really long day, mm-hmm. then I work a really, really long day and just get it all done. If I want to like be a bit of bimbo and like fluff around, then I just work seven half days or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So my time is like and I, if I want to go to Ocean Grove that weekend, I go to Ocean Grove and I just type in the back of the car or whatever it is. I can genuinely be anywhere. Like I can have – the company is so great. I have meetings in transit. I have meetings on the side of the road. If I'm like outside of dinner and I'm like – you're busting just, and you didn't yeah, make it all the way home. Literally. So like it's so <laughs> awesome and that's like the my main income and then I work one day with C's and then I work like a half day with Frendo, which is the health tech company in the UK. And then all of them are very different. Like Frendo is very more like, more like product growth marketing. Bloom is more of like a leadership, like social marketing manager. And then with you, it's kind of like a lot of fun things like podcasting, <laughs> branding, Just like random yeah, random stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's currently what's brewing. And then future brewing is, I guess. I don't look at, like to look in the future because I have no idea where my life's going to go. I kind of just 
live for what I have right now. Live in the moment. Yeah. Okay, well, that's taken us to an hour already. Yes, yeah, so sorry. No, Bim, I am so excited for you because now I have you back. You've made such a big jump. I can't wait to see what 2023 brings you and sees and everything else that you're doing. And I feel like this is the essence of this show. I'm so glad there were so many questions. This has literally taken us an hour. So, so long. By the way, everyone, as I predicted at the beginning, this is now going to be a two-parter. This is no longer the <laughs> last episode of the year because we have so many topics left. But the fact that most of the questions submitted were about the Parthier, which is what this show is about, makes me so happy. Yeah. I feel like anyone listening could be, you know, you seven years ago, five years ago, four years ago, whatever, last year. I just can't believe how many people care. But, you know, it's nice. It's so nice. Yeah. And it's a huge jump you just made. It is. It is a big jump. And I feel like I'm still coming to terms with it all but it's been really fun so part two sounds good part two is a lot a lot more like relationships okay so the joys that await you guys as we mentioned there is a whole section on family and your asian heritage and the prestige we will come we'll circle back we'll circle back guys to the question of prestige and expectations and you know that one of our favorite topics here is like the definitions of success and how you have to pitch your new career to your family and the fact that you still haven't told them which I did not know (laughs) but also about like the expectations on timelines in life like getting married and settling down and having kids someone asked who your favorite cousin is and why I'm guessing was one of your cousins (laughs) Um, even the pressure about you moving out and karaoke abilities but most importantly the section that is to come is relationship starting with how many exes does Ange have like who doesn't want to know that everyone everyone wants to know that one person and there's a few questions snuck in there for me as well which really made me reflect People are, like, curious about Nick. Yeah, Q for Curious. Q for Curious. Mystery man. A for ally. A for ally. (laughs) So, guys, you all know I go to Mardi Gras every year, big ally, and I have somehow managed to get every letter in LGBTQIA plus wrong at various times in the last couple of weeks. Sarah fully thought Q goes to I did not actually think Q Q was for Curious. Q is for Curious? No. (laughs) Oh, and A is for allies. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm the worst. So we have relationship to go. We have some cycling questions, funny cleat fail stories. Travel. Travel. Oh, what, life and mindset was life the other and category. Mindset, what backpack you use yeah. specifically. There's some very practical conversation questions. There's also, which I think this is very interesting, how do you work on your financials at buying a house at this age? Mm. People don't talk about that stuff. It's true. It's true. So part two. We now have to book another day. <laughs> I thought I was finished working for the Angelina. <laughs> you are for it. Part two will be coming into your ears. I think what we'll do is this is a pre-Christmas episode. We'll go, let you guys have Christmas and then we'll drop some juicy fun in your ears. Pre-New Year mm. because, you know, New Year, New Ange. Mm. We're going to talk about that stuff before the year is up. Can't but wait. Thank you for this episode. This was incredibly inspiring. I hope you guys found it inspiring as well. Meanwhile, if you have any other questions for Andrew about relationships, <laughs> you now time. have time to submit again. Sarah just wants to talk about my dating life. That's I what really do. The about. whole next episode is going to be about your dating life and I can't wait because it's exciting. It's juicy. There's a lot. There's a lot to talk about. I'm so excited. Oh, my God. I'll see you guys right. in a week. And in the meantime, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Your season- it's holidays, so- babe. Sorry. Whoa, the fury. <laughs> it's a nay to yay when you don't get the branding. I hope you have an amazing festive season and um, we'll catch you again before 2022 is out. Bye.
Bye. Bye.